0: Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Can we thank these guys for leading us in worship? Y'all are awesome. You know, it's so interesting that... um, getting into ministry and and doing this role is i have the opportunity to i've learned so much and one of the things i've learned so much about is worship and what worship looks like and i get the privilege of spending time with these guys and jacob and i had lunch this week and just man it was good to just talk and connect and share our hearts for what it looks like to come for the lord uh together what it looks like individually and, and how God is in all that. So, uh, man, I just love our, these guys that lead us in worship. So, thank you all so much for doing that. Um, this has been this series that we're in. Uh, I mentioned it up front when we welcomed everyone, but we've been in this series called Kingdom of Heaven. And it's been really good. And the, the purpose and the heart behind why we've Begun this series while we've been teaching on this is that our mission statement. And I said up front is that we are called to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. And I think uh, Paul's got it up there. And and it's easy as you as you get into a church or, or, or you, you're a guest or you're you've been there for years. It's, it's easy to look at things like a mission statement. And to just kind of read over and say, oh, that sounds, that's nice, that's a, that's a beautiful saying or whatever. But as we got into this and really started praying about who God was calling us to be and landing on this, just the, the, how good God is and how intricate and detailed He is with everything. And so as we land on this, one thing we started discussing is what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? If we're going to say that our purpose is for His kingdom and His purpose, what does that really mean? And in and, and the Christian world and the Christianese vernacular and, and language, we can a lot of times get wrapped up in these words and use this language that's really good and it's really true and it means a lot to us. But at a, in a lot of ways, it's hard to articulate, like if we had to put pen to paper to describe what that means, a lot of times that is difficult. And it makes you question why well, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, this is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth about my life, and what, is, what does that look like? And so, you know, you think about things like sanctification, like we're being sanctified, and you, you think that's really good, and that sounds good, and it's true, but what does that look like? And so, when we looked at our mission statement, we land on this idea of His kingdom. We all know what a kingdom is, but, but Jesus spoke again and again in the Scripture about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, that the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And so he continued again and again to point to that. And so we began this series on looking at Scripture, looking at Jesus' life, looking at the things that he spoke about, that his disciples spoke about, that the Old Testament pointed to, um, that we're walking in today. And so that's really how we got there. And so. Um, We're going to continue that this morning. And then next week is going to be our last week uh, of the Kingdom of Heaven series. And it's been really good. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but this is in, in no way, shape, or form an exhaustive understanding of the kingdom. But there are bits and pieces of truth that we're understanding that help give us a clearer picture of what that looks like for your, for your own life. And I want to encourage you as you read scripture and as you're in the word uh, in your quiet time or if you're reading a Bible study or if you're in small group and you, look, and you find that language when Jesus points to the kingdom to think hard and, tr- and, and look at that. Look at what Jesus is saying because there's a lot of power and a lot of significance of what that means for us. So that's really how we got here. And I, I mentioned worship being something really special for me that I've gotten to be involved in. Another thing that going into ministry, I've been in ministry about five years now, and one of the things that's been surprising to me um, is my opportunity that I've gotten to travel. And, and I love to travel. Uh, I, I traveled growing up. Uh, my family, uh, you know, that's part of who we were growing up. And in college, I studied abroad, and I love to travel, and I was a geography major. And, and a lot of people think, oh, so you know maps. So you know the capital of every country. I'm like, no, I definitely do not know the capital of every country. But geography is more than just looking at a map or a globe or where something lies, location-based. But it's about culture. It's about uh, societies. It's about what where we live and where we are on this rock shapes who we are. And so I love travel. And, and when I went into ministry, honestly, I thought a lot of that I thought my ability and my opportunity to travel was going to be gone because, you know, to travel, to go on a trip, especially abroad, it takes money. It takes a lot of money. And so I know going into ministry that that was not, I definitely didn't do this for the paycheck, (laughs) but going into ministry, I thought that that was something that I would be sacrificing and willing. I was willing to sacrifice that. But uh, God's so good and it gave me so many opportunities through ACF and now through Vessel uh, and through others to be able to travel. And so I brought this morning, I brought my passport with me. And, uh, and so I love, and I know a lot of you have a passport and I love looking through here when I'm at the airport and looking at all the stamps that I have, all the passport stamps. And I've got like pages of Nicaragua. So I've been in Nicaragua, I don't know how many times. So I've got Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. With every year on it and it's it's sweet to look back and i know you know the government does not issue me a passport so i can you know fondly look back on my experiences but it is nice uh to have that purpose right i've got the uae on here i've got um i've got nepal when i went uh to with the sorensons when shane i got to go to nepal and spend time in Kathmandu, which a little spoiler alert and FY the sorensons are back in the united states at this very moment so Um, Unexpectedly, but really good news. So, we'll share more about that in a few weeks. I got to go this past spring to Peru, and I love the Peru stamp. It's got the little… there. If you've ever seen the Peru logo with the big P with the circles, kind of giving homage to the Incan Empire. Um, I've got in here in Tebe, in Africa, my trip there. And when we were in Peru, when you would go to Machu Picchu, they actually have a stamp for your passport. So, this really cool passport stamp to Machu Picchu. Anyways, it's… I just… This has been… This has been really a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to travel because that was something that I thought was going to be lost. Now, the traveling that I probably anticipated when I was 25, 28 years old uh, looks different than what the the opportunities that the Lord's provided. But nonetheless, and probably more powerfully and more significantly, I've got to travel all over the world. And so, that's been really sweet and special for me. But my passport does not only tell me where I've been, right? It doesn't only tell me that where I've been, my passport also tells me where I'm from. Right here on the first page it says United States of America. It tells me the country that I'm a citizen of. This is where I belong. This is who I am. And no matter what country I go to, no matter if I'm in Nepal or Peru or Mexico or Nicaragua. Or Africa, no matter where I am, I'm a citizen of the United States of America because my passport says so. And just because I travel to another land or travel to another country or travel to another continent does not change my citizenship. This is where I was born. This isn't something that can be lost, it's who I am. So your passport not only documents where you're going and where you've been for the US government, but it documents who we are. And I love this idea as we thought about the kingdom of heaven, what it looks like for us and what I want us to investigate this morning and look at scripture as what does it look like for us to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven? What does it look like in 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 a spiritual sense that our passport says that we belong to the kingdom, that that's where our citizenship lies? What does that mean for us? Because with our citizenship, just like I, I'm protected. My brother, he works for the U.S. consulate. And uh, he works for the State Department. And it's just a really cool job. And I, I, so, sometimes I think he's like secretly CIA or something because he has, he's really has security clearances. And he was, like, he got invited to the Oval Office this past year. I mean, it's really cool what he gets to do. But he works, a lot of his job at the embassy and the consulate is to work with Americans in foreign countries. So he's currently in Ankara till the end of this year. And then he'll come back to the United States and then he'll go to Sarajevo in Bosnia is his next assignment. And he goes and he works in these foreign countries as an employee of the United States of America helping citizens. And one, I'll tell y'all one little story that he shared. Uh, it was his first, it was one of his first years he was in, uh, he was working there. And he's, he's working there at the consulate office, and he's in Lagos, Nigeria. So I think that the, the State Department, while it's not the military, it works similarly in the sense that they move you around. He's with, uh, he's in Lagos, Nigeria, and he gets this woman that comes uh, in, at the airport. And she comes, and she comes to his office, and she's like, I'm here to meet my husband. She's an American. My brother's like, okay, and, and what's the, and he's not here. He's supposed to be here at the airport in Lagos to pick me up, and I cannot find him. I've called him, I've reached out to him, I cannot get a hold of him. So my brother, you know, continues to investigate, okay, what's, you know, what's his name? She gives him his name. Her husband is Nigerian. She's American. Her husband's Nigerian. And she gives him all this information about where he lives an address, a phone number, a name. And my, my brother begins to investigate, and he can't find this guy. He can't find her husband. He's like, well, what, what do we need to do? Do we need to send you back? And she says, I have no money. She says, I, I, my husband, I've sent all my money to my husband. I've sold my home. I've sold my car. And I've, I've sent all my money to my husband. And he's supposed to pick me up here at the airport. So my brother asks the question. He says, have you ever met your husband? And she says, No, I was meeting him for the first time today. Oh, oh, I mean, it breaks my heart for this woman that she got fooled. And so, my brother, he helps. His role is to help Americans in a foreign country. And so, you know, they worked and they got her back to the United States, but everything she had was gone. And she got scammed. You know, you got in your email, you think, you know, a Nigerian prince needs your help. I'm like, really? That's incredible. How did he get this email? Because this is my junk email, but you know, you know, it works. But the bottom line is how do we perceive our own kingdom citizenship? Because in Scripture, it was clear that it was very real to them. It's obvious that when Jesus taught and when Jesus spoke, he talked about the kingdom of heaven. Like he he said, it was at hand. It was right near. Here it is. It's coming. It looks like this. It smells like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done now. And so Jesus and his disciples, and you look at the writings of the apostle Paul, and you see all of, they they spoke again and again about the kingdom, and they, they saw themselves as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And it was obviously that when the disciples spoke about it, they spoke about it like it was now or tomorrow. Every moment, every, every letter that they penned was with anticipation of the coming kingdom and the kingdom of, of heaven being at hand. And so I wonder, I think, were they disappointed when they got to the end of their life? Were they disappointed with it was their anticipation for this coming kingdom? But the truth is, is that their anticipation wasn't a kingdom of the future, it was a kingdom of the now. And we live in a western, civilized, Christian country and culture, and I don't think we have that same perspective about the kingdom. I don't think we truly see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. When I hear the writings of these, of these guys, and I see what scripture says, and I look at my own view, there's something to me that doesn't line up, that I, I don't feel I don't sense, I don't identify in the same way. And so I think when we boil it down to this mission statement of being called for His purpose in His kingdom, I think it's important that we look at what it means for us. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you've been born again, that what does it look like to be a citizen of the kingdom? So I i am gonna—we're gonna, gonna look at some scripture, and I'm gonna pray for that. So let's let's pray, and we'll jump into what God says. Dear Lord, I thank you for for that, Jesus. I thank you for the idea that we belong to the kingdom now. That our citizenship and the rights of the kingdom aren't something that's to come, but it's 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 here now, Jesus. I just pray that as we get into your word this morning, God, that you. Just speak to us clearly, God, that you soften our hearts, that you use your word, God, that you use my words to speak to us, to encourage us, to give us a better picture of what that looks like. God, I pray for shame this morning. Just as we worshiped, you laid that on my heart. God, I pray that you would free anyone in this room from any level of shame that we have, for whatever reason it is, God. I just pray for freedom for that and that that you can set us free from that this morning to really take an honest, hard, real look at our own lives. Not in a sense of shame, but in a sense of wanting to know you more, wanting to be a citizen of the kingdom, wanting everything that you have for our lives. Jesus, I pray that our salvation in you is not a ticket that's punched to avoid hell. God, but our salvation in you is life and it's rich and it's deep, and it's beautiful, and it's mysterious. God, and there's things that we don't even know about that, God, that you want to reveal to us. So, I pray that you reveal that to us this morning. God, we pray that these things in the name of your son, Jesus, amen. So, if you would, go ahead and pull out your Bible. If you need a Bible, our guest services team is at hand. And they can, uh, if you just raise your hand in the air, they can give you a Bible, and you can pull up your phone. I'd love for you to read along. And so, we're going to jump around a little bit. And so, if you want to jot these down, um, you can, and we're going to jump around a little bit. I'll tell you where we're going to be, and then we'll walk back through it. Uh, So, we're going to look at Ephesians 2. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians, and a couple of scriptures in Matthew, in Matthew 8 and Matthew 16. So, if you want to bookmark those or write those down, Ephesians 2. 2 Corinthians, Matthew chapter 8 and 16. And we're going to bounce around a little bit, but we'll start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. And it's this idea, um, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing about this same idea. He's encouraging uh, this church and this this local body of Christ um, and in in a, in a, a, a supernatural way to Christians all across the globe for the eternity of time. He's telling us this in in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 19, he talks about this when it comes to being a citizen. And this is kind of going to be, kind of set the course for us this morning. Verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone." And so Paul encourages them. He says, you're you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but you are citizens with God, people. And he points to our citizenship. And so as we look at our own, and I don't want you to think think about yourself individually. Think about us as a body of Christ. Think about us being citizens together with God's people around the world. And so there's a few things that I think help us understand that better. And the first is gonna be completely and totally contradictory. The first is this, is that we are foreigners. The first idea and the first thing we need to understand is that we are foreigners. And what I mean is that, that obviously contradicts, that obviously contradicts what um, the scripture I just read said. It says you are no longer foreigners. But this idea of us being foreigners is, um, is that we don't have dual citizenship is what I mean. We don't have dual citizenship. So, just because we're… when we're citizens of one kingdom, by logic, makes us foreigners in others. So, when I'm a citizen of the United States, when I travel to a new country, I'm still a citizen of the United States, but I'm now a foreigner in a foreign country. Does that make sense? So, the first idea and the first thing that can help us understand is that we are foreigners. We're foreigners. and one reason that we don't live with this kingdom mindset, this kingdom citizen mindset, in my opinion, is that we are much too comfortable, we are far too comfortable and willing to be citizens of the world. And the first thing you have to understand about yourself, if you call yourself a Christ follower, is that you live in this world, but you are a foreigner here and on earth. That while you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that now makes you a foreigner here on earth. This, we do not have dual citizenship. And Scripture clearly says so. Scripture talks again and again about that the flesh and the spirit are combatants. They can't coexist. They can't commingle. They are in competition with one another. And when the, when the, when the spirit is alive, the flesh is diminished. And when the flesh is fed, the spirit is starved. And the same idea about our citizenship is that, that first and foremost, we are foreigners here on this earth. But the truth is, is that we don't see ourselves that way. We look at our earthly citizenship and we're very comfortable what it looks like to be a citizen of the world. We're comfortable here, especially in in the culture and the circumstances that we live in middle-class America. But I believe that when we look at ourselves in kingdom, we see ourselves more as fans, more as fans of the kingdom of heaven and less as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There's a great book called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman, and he says this about what it looks like to be a fan of of the kingdom, to be a fan of the kingdom. He says, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. And when we think about the kingdom, when we read about what Jesus said and the disciples, one reason that those things don't seem to line up is because we don't see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom. We see ourselves as citizens of the world. When the fact is we are foreigners here. You're foreigners in this country. And we're fans instead. And we're diehard fans, nonetheless. I see a lot of people that are diehard fans for the kingdom. I mean, we wear the gear, we sing the songs, we live the culture. We're rah rah. We're excited about what Jesus is doing. It's who we are, right? And you think about it in the context of a sports team, right? I went to the University of Texas, and I see all these crazy Aggies out there. I think, how could you possibly? identify as an Aggie. But the truth is, is that they're fans of their team. They're not on the field. They're not on the field. They're not at practice. They're not right now, you know, preparing for two-a-days and preparing for the season. You're just a fan of the sport. You wear the shirt. You cheer for the team. You talk about how great you are. You think at the beginning of the season, you're going to be top ranked and win the SEC. And then by mid-season, you think, let's just make a bowl game, right? You're a fan. You're 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 a true Aggie fan. And we look at our Christianity that way as well. We look at ourselves as fans of Jesus. I'll live, I'll live the life, I'll, 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 I'll listen to the music, I'll engage in the culture, but is there any sacrifice for me? Am I in the game? Matthew chapter eight, verse 20 says, Jesus says this. In verse 20, Jesus replied, "'Foxes have dens and birds have nests, "'but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head.'" You see, Jesus had a very real perspective that he was a foreigner here on Earth. That was very real to him, and he understood that context. And one thing that we misinterpret with that, and and Jacob and I were talking about it this week at lunch, is one thing that we think: if I'm going to be a foreigner here in this world, if I'm a foreigner in this land, then 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 I'm supposed to be against this world. Right? That that doesn't mean that just because Jesus had a healthy perspective, that he didn't belong here, that, that the Son of Man, that Jesus had nowhere to lay his head, that he didn't belong here, it doesn't mean that he hated the world. And that is a common misconception that Jesus didn't hate the world. In fact, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that Jesus and the Lord loved this world. And, and we, can, we can fall susceptible to that as Christians, as Christ followers. We can think that our, our object of being, our, our goal of being a foreigner here is hating what the world offers and being against the world. And we see the world as our adversary. In a lot of ways, that those things are true. In a lot of ways that, that living in this world and being a, being a foreigner here in this land, there's a lot of temptation. The enemy uh, resides here. But the truth is that we're not supposed to just live in these Christian bubbles. You see, we think that by being a Christ i and being a Christian, what I am supposed to do as a foreigner in this land is to survive, to endure. That I am a Christian, I'm gonna surround myself with other Christians and I'm gonna live in a Christian bubble. And all we're gonna do is we're gonna gather up, we're gonna turn our backs towards the world and we're gonna huddle together and survive the storm. And we have this Christian bubble Mindset. We think that that's what the Lord wants. You know, when, when I was a geography major at the University of Texas, one thing that we studied was there was a lot that ran parallel to sociology. And so we talked about what ethnic enclaves look like. And it's super, ethnic enclaves are super interesting, but basically they're, they're the simple principle that people from a foreign land, from a foreign country move together— move together to a new land, and they still, they still live as they did in the foreign land, right? A great example is Chinatown, right? Chinatown is that they're, they're, they're Chinese immigrants that have moved to the United States, and they built this ethnic enclaves, this ethnic enclave of Chinese culture and the Chinese people, and they live together in harmony. And, and there are people that can be born and raised in Chinatown that don't even hear English. That they're not, they don't even speak English on a regular basis. That the, these ethnic enclaves bec- become safe havens for immigrants. They can come. We see it even, even in our own context here in Texas. We see it down at the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, a lot of Mexican immigrants come over from, from Mexico and immigrate into the United States. And they, and they live together. And it creates this enclave of people. And so, for example, if you're a seamstress, right, if you're a seamstress in in China and you come over and you you move to Chinatown, you can be a seamstress and you can serve the Chinese community there in Chinatown, which in a lot of ways is really good and really healthy and a a great way for those those foreigners to immigrate to the United States. It provides safety. But the problem is, is we do this as Christians. We think this is what our Christian walk is to look like that we're to surround ourselves with other Christians. And we're never to interact with the world. And we're just, we're just to survive until the end. But what it ends up doing is we get in these ethnic enclaves, or these Christian enclaves, excuse me, and we have no interaction with the outside world. And that's not what Jesus did. As foreigners here, it means that we aren't to hate this world and just to huddle up with other believers, but we're to have a relationship with the lost. And I, I, you, you guys know that my heart and what I feel God's called me to do is, is I'm an evangelist at heart. And that doesn't mean being really good at handing out a, a, a track or knowing the Roman road or being able to p- walk through someone, the prayer of salvation. What it really means, I truly think at the heart of an evangelist is to love the lost. So it's easy in our Christian culture to say, well, that's wrong. And, and things have gotten so politicized. Like, this is right and this is wrong. It's black and white, and these people are against me. And the truth is do you have a relationship with someone who's a Muslim? Do you know someone and love someone that's Muslim? Do you have a relationship and do you know someone that's gay or that's struggling with their gender? Because it's easy in our Christian bubble with our backs turned towards the world to identify wrong, wrong, wrong of the devil, incorrect, not of Jesus, and to point at those things and call them wrong. But what is difficult is to love those people and to build relationship with those that are different from us. And that's what it means to be a foreigner. You think about what it looks like to go to a foreign land. What it looks like when I, when I went on my trip to Peru. I didn't just gather up with all the Americans and say, all right, let's just huddle up here and just wait uh, seven days until our return, return trip back to the United States. No, we went out and we interacted and we built relationships with the Peruvian people, right? We, we read and heard about the Incan empire. It'd be really easy for me to say, oh, that's wrong. That's not Jesus. That's wrong and that's of the the devil. The Incan people that worship the sun and moon, no, they're wrong. But we went and we we got to know those people. We we built relationship with people that were different than us. And so I think us having a healthy mindset of what it looks like to be a foreigner on this earth gives us better perspective of what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom. And so you're a foreigner here. And that doesn't mean that you're to hate this world. There's so much good in this world. And there's so much about this world that Jesus loves. The second thing that's important in us understanding our citizenship is that not only are we, we foreigners, but we are also ambassadors. Second thing is that we are ambassadors. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, and I'm going to read uh, the New King James Version because I love Uh, how this is translated. It says this, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As well, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He tells them that that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Not only are we are foreigners here on this earth, but we are ambassadors and we have a job to do. And, and I chose this uh, New King James Version because I love the language here. I love this idea that, is that we are pleading, that, that God is pleading through us and that, that we're imploring you, that I'm imploring you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. I love the, strong, the language. And just as a side note, I, I know I joke in here, uh, on Sunday mornings, about I, re- I read the NIV, and I always say it's for the very spiritual reason that it's the translation that I've always read. But just a note on the translation of Bible that you read is that that as long as whether you read NIV, whether you read King James, and you're old school, or you're ESV, and you're smarter than me, Jackson in the back, and you're smarter than me, whatever the reason is that you choose, the important thing is as long as you have a healthy translation of Scripture. And, and, and I do believe in sticking with and being consistent because it helps with Scripture memorization. It helps with how it reads. But the ultimate goal when you read Scripture is to understand what it says and understand what God is communicating through that because we are reading a translation. And so, a lot of time in my study, when I went, a lot of time, all the time in my study, I read multiple translations multiple translations of Scripture. Not so I can choose the one I like the best, although I obviously just did, but I read multiple translations of Scripture so that I can understand what it really means. And that's the heart. When you go and say the Bible, uh, that's the mindset you should have when you look at it. But um, that's just a side note. So, that's why I, 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 I chose this New King James Version, is this idea of pleading this, as, as an ambassador It's as though God, it's as though God is pleading through us. It's this, I, this word pleading means to beg. It's that God is begging. He's so desperate. As an ambassador for Christ, when he sees the world, he's so desperate for us and he's begging for us to be reconciled to God. This idea that we implore you on Christ's behalf, imploring again is a desire or a beg or a longing for, but it's wrapped in the context of prayerfully to implore someone, if, I, if I'm if i imploring my neighbor to begin a relationship with Jesus, to investigate Christ, right, to take a look at their life and, and to know, if I'm imploring them to know how much Jesus loves them. It's not just a moment, but the, but the, the translation really, literally means to prayerfully beg. It means I'm praying for that person, it means my, my, as I'm imploring them to be reconciled to Jesus Christ, it's not only through words, but it's through prayer. It's my heart is in it. It's that, and it's not because uh, I'm an ambassador and I have to do this job. It's because I love them and I care about them and I want them to know what salvation in Jesus Christ and life in Christ really looks like. Not so they're not going to hell. Right? Because there's life there and there's purpose there. And I see in them how they are beautifully, wonderfully made, created in his own image. And what I decide to see in them is what Jesus sees in them. Right? I don't decide to see the sin. I don't decide to see the brokenness. I see the beauty in how God created them. And Paul is telling us that we have a job as ambassadors. And so, when we think about this in a foreign context, what it looks like to be in a foreign land, and like, you know, my brother working for the State Department is is how I think about it. The first of all, when you're an ambassador, and when you're an ambassador to a foreign land, the first thing is you're focused on the king's agenda. So, if you are an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven, your focus as you are here, as you are traveling as a foreigner to a foreign land, is the agenda of the king right? Imagine if a diplomat were to be sent to some, um, some foreign country as, a, as an ambassador for that country. And they get there and they go to Italy and they're in Florence and they, you know, shop around and they're drinking wine and they're going and they're seeing all the sights and they get to the end of their trip and they didn't meet with anyone. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They just, they took all their job and responsibilities and agenda and just completely ignored it and do what they want to do. What would happen? They would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're an ambassador for this. You're an ambassador for the United States of America. You're not a tourist. You're not here just to tour around. You have a job to do. And the same is true with us if we're ambassadors to the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It means that every relationship, every circumstance, every opportunity in our life, it's filtered through the mind of what is best for the kingdom. What's best for the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom thing to do? What is the kingdom decision? And that, that, I'm giving you a heads up, that complicates things in our lives, is that complicates things for you. Is a lot of times we can look at, for example, a new job, and you've got opportunity for this new job and you're really good at it and you love it and it's great, and then you begin to think, but what is best for the kingdom? And that can complicate things, because the decision to do this is obvious. The decision to take this job is obvious, but then you start looking at the kingdom of heaven and you start thinking, man, look at the work I'm doing here where I am. And although I'm at a job that I get paid less, I'm in a job that I have a lot of relational equity with people. I've had the opportunity to share my faith with, with, with people that I love. I've begun relationship with, with people that don't know Jesus Christ, where we begin to have spiritual conversation, begin to talk about Christ. And man, this would be a great opportunity to go and do this. But I really feel what God is doing here at my current job and my current role is bigger, is bigger than all the benefits of this, is a, is, is a, is, is a kingdom mindset, that God is doing something for his kingdom here. You know, I, I talked about traveling for me and, and the opportunity that I've gotten in ministry to travel, and I joked at, the, at up front, but the truth is, is that when I think about traveling, you think about traveling to a foreign land, you think about vacationing. And for me, all a lot of my passport stamps have not come in the spirit of vacationing, although some have. But a lot of the work that with I've I've gone to do has been work of ministry, and and so we joke, Shan and I, I spent our ten year anniversary in Nicaragua in, in Central America, very tropical land, right? We've been married ten years. We go, we get on a plane and we go to, you know, this very tropical place. We go to Nicaragua. In ten years, it's so romantic we dig a ditch together. That's how we spent our 10 year in Nicaragua. So we're like traveling and it's like, what do you do for spring break? Oh, we're going to Central America. It's our 10 year anniversary so that we can dig a ditch. We didn't go to the beach. We didn't go, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? zip lining through the canopy or whatever. See the jungle. We went and dug a ditch together. And we went to Nicaragua and we traveled back and forth. And, and so we stayed in this, you know, we stay at this Posada there, this little, um, this, uh, this, it's called the Quinta. It's, it's like a hotel, but they feed you, but there's no AC. And so here we are on our 10-year anniversary, and we've been digging ditches all day. At the end of the day, I'm like, hey, babe. She's like, no, it's too hot. It's too long. I've dug ditches all day. No, buddy, it ain't happening. Sorry. As romantic as it is. But the truth is, is, man, we could not, we, there are moments there that were so special to us that we got to teach together. And we're digging the ditch. and We're hearing the testimony of this woman that brings us to tears. And we think, man, I wouldn't trade the Bahamas or whatever, anything in the world, to not come here and to do the work of the ministry. And that's what the kingdom looks like, that it's not always easier. It's not always what we think it should look like or how we envisioned our life. But the purpose in that, as an ambassador for Christ in a foreign land, is so much more significant. It's pursuing joy and not happiness. And that's what it looks like to be an ambassador. So not only are we foreigners in the foreign land that we live here, not only do we have a job to do our ambassadors, but the last thing is that we are citizens. The last truth, and for you to understand, is that we are citizens of the kingdom. You know, this last week, we celebrated the 4th of July this past Thursday. And uh, I know this is silly, but one of my favorite things to do on most holidays, with the 4th, is to get on social media and to see everyone. And normally, I'm like social media, I'm kind of anti, like I don't want to see, you know, your kid's birthday or what you're eating for lunch, or I don't care that someone did something terrible to you online. But man, I love on a holiday, especially 4th of July, you can get on there and you can see Man, you can see people, and they're celebrating. They've got fireworks, and the kids are decked out. I love it. I love it. I love scrolling through those pictures. Uh, and, and, and I think, man, I looked at those pictures this week. I thought, man, this is where we belong. This is our country. And how good it is that we are citizens and that we have freedom of the United States of America, that we can worship in freedom, that we can, we can live lives where we have rights and protections of our country. And it's really sweet to think about that, not only as a citizen of the United States, but more importantly, as a citizen of the kingdom. What are those rights that we have? And and it's that same feeling of you've been away on a trip for a long time. You've been traveling. Maybe you studied abroad or you've been on a work trip, and it's been really good, and you've had a great time, and a lot of really great things have happened. By the end of the trip, you're just ready to be home. You're just ready to be back home. It's that feeling of, man, I can't wait to sleep in my own bed. Like, as great as this has been, we sit in a hotel, whatever, I can't wait to just have my own pillow. And if you're a diva like me, I pack my, my own pillow. But you, my own pillow, my own bed, I can't just wait to take a shower in my own shower and just be home. And that's what it's like with the kingdom of heaven. That there's moments in our lives where we just yearn, and this has been good, I've loved what God's done here, but man, I just I want to be home. And we get little glimpses of the kingdom in our lives. In Matthew chapter sixteen, verse nineteen, Jesus says this very uh, famous and, in a bit, in a lot of ways, a controversial statement. And he says it to Peter. As, as he says it to Peter, it's right before this. He says, "On my rock I will build this church." And then in verse nineteen. Matthew 16, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love that statement, he says to Paul. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And this, just for a little uh, biblical context. Like I said, he says this to Peter, but he says the same line again two chapters later in verse 18 about whatever you bind on heaven will be, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But he says this specifically to Peter. And, and if you're a theologian, uh, theologians love to argue over what this means and why he said this to Peter and the significance of that. Well, good news for y'all. I'm not a theologian, so I don't care. So. That's not me, so. Uh, but what, what the truth is is that, and that's why you see Peter, when you see any painting, any historic painting, you see Peter, you see him with a set of keys in his hand. You'll see him with, with two keys in his hand. And that's the same reason why we say, "Who's going to be at the Pearly Gates?" Peter. Why? Because he has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's why all the Christian, biblical, uh, cultural references to Peter, although he did lots of things. Peter was a fisherman. He walked on water. I love Peter. He's kind of my hero. Um, and David, King David. Anyways, but that's why you always see Peter with a set of keys, right? And, and like I said, theologians love to argue over what that means. But the basic idea of this is that the keys symbolize authority, the key symbol of authority. So he says, when I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus is telling Paul, telling Peter, is that he's given him authority, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And these terms, binding and loose, loosening, to bind something and loose something, that's, if you've been in any sort of Christianese culture, you've probably heard this a lot of times in prayer. Or people will say, oh, I'm going to pray for, you know, just bind the enemy up, right? Bind him up. And and, that, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that I'm, I'm against praying for that, but that's a lot of context. But for us, the words binding and to bind something and to lose something isn't something we commonly use. So it's, there, there's ways to understand that. For them, that was significance and that was common, right? The Jewish people in particular understood what that meant. And so in Jewish culture and in Judaism, in, in, yeah, in Judaism when something is, when you bind something, right, when something, when you bind something, it's prohibited, right? For something to be bind, it's prohibited. For, in the same way, when you lose something, when something's loose, it's permitted. So, to bind something means it's prohibited. To lose something means that it is permitted. A good example is, uh, I know this is, this may be foreign to you, but if your dog dies, right, if you're Jewish, and you live in Jewish culture, and you, 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 you follow Judaism, and your dog dies. If your dog dies in your house, your house is unclean, right? Your house is now unclean because your dog died in your house, and now you're worried, like, my dog's getting old. Should I leave him outside, right? That, that's, that's your, your house is now, now unclean, right? But if your dog dies outside your house, if your dog dies outside, your house is still clean, right? Because he died outside the home rather than inside the home. Now, the binding and loosening comes if the dog dies on the front porch. And I'm serious. If your dog dies on your front porch, is your house clean or unclean? And so, the rule is, if the dog's nose is pointing towards your door, then your house is unclean. If his nose is pointing away from the door, then you're good and you're clean. And that's silly to think, but for them, that idea, and when Jesus said that, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. To them, that had significance and that had meaning. And the truth is for us, if we think about the keys, we think about citizens of the kingdom of heaven, if we've been given authority and power in in, in the kingdom, and we've given the power that what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, it's the, the truth is this, is that with the kingdom citizenship comes power in our lives. With it comes power in our lives. And it's the power that we are no longer under the bondage of sin, right? That those things, and we, we can pray in our lives, and we can pray for God to forgive us, and we can loosen things in our lives. If you struggle with anxiety or addiction with the, the principle here is a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, right? You are now, you now have the power to loosen that from your life, to get freedom from addiction. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that you just say and chant magic words and now everything is magically okay. But the, the fact that you have power over that. And so you think about uh, things in your life that you can bind or loose. And I, I don't want to get too down in the trench on this or too down a rabbit trail, but if you have struggled with, with addiction and, and, you've struggled, and alcoholism runs in your family, you know, and then you can decide, am I going to have a drink or am I not going to have a drink, right? If I, if I never struggle with addiction to go out and to have a glass of wine with dinner, that that is something that you're going to allow, that you're going to permit, right? But if not, if you have struggled with addiction, then I'm not going to do that in my life, right? If you struggle with, uh, if you struggle with lust, right, and, and viewing pornography, you can say, I'm not, I know that that's a struggle for me. I know that I've been given freedom from that. And so I'm not watching R-rated movies. I'm not going to do that. I'm permitting that in my life. I'm permitting that in my life. I'm prohibiting that in my life, excuse me. I'm saying that and I'm looking at all people. And it's like, I'm prohibiting that in my life. Is that, that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna prohibit watching R rated movies because I know there's a temptation there. And I, I know that there's temptation there that's gonna lead me down something that I struggled with before. And that's what it looks like. There's no power or authority. No one telling you those things in your life. And don't get me wrong, there's sin and there, you have sin in your life and there are certain things if it's uh, to murder. You are not permitted to murder, right? But, but when we think about our own lives, we have the power of Christ in our lives. And, and backing up to the scripture we read when we talked about being ambassadors, he said that we are to be called to be ministers of reconciliation. Ministers of reconciliation. So when we think about our, our citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, what does it mean that we're called and we're called to reconciliation? This is what we've been called to do. To reconcile means to restore relations, to cause to coexist in harmony, and this, this idea to restore relationship with Christ. And that you wanna know that as an ambassador, what it looks like is it means that we are called to restore relationship with Jesus. And the truth is that we are calling people to be reconciled to God, not for God to be reconciled to people. That as ambassadors, as citizens of the kingdom, our job and our message as an ambassador, you don't just have the king's agenda, but you speak for the king. And what you, what our message is and what we tell people is be reconciled to God, that God has made a way, that God has given freedom. So as we close this morning, as we've talked about what it looks like to be kingdom citizens, what I want you to do is I want us to think about the context. I want you to think about What it looks like to be a a kingdom citizen now in your life. What does it look like now for us to be the uh, kingdom citizens? And the truth is, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, So the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And we can stand up here all we want and talk about what it looks like. But there's power and opportunity in your life. That with kingdom citizenship comes power in your life. And it's the, it's, it's the same power that put every star in the sky, the infinite amount of sky, stars that we have. And not only did he put them in the sky, but he named them. It's the, the, the same power that knit you together in your mother's womb, that knows the number of your hairs on your head. It's the same power that, that shook the ground in prayer in Acts chapter 4. That's the power that we have as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's the power to throw a mountain into the sea just by saying the words. And so as we finish this series next week, and as we, as we move on from this Kingdom of Heaven series, I want you to take a hard, honest look at your life and ask yourself, do I see myself as a foreigner, do I, do I, or do I see myself as a citizen of this world, or do I see this as a temporary place that I am visiting, but that I don't belong? and ask yourself, do I take my call to be an ambassador for Christ seriously? Do I walk out every day and realize that my agenda is the agenda of the kingdom? That when I speak, I speak for the king? That when I represent my life, what I represent is the kingdom of heaven? And do you do that in your life? And the final thing is that are you truly a citizen of the kingdom? Do you know the power of reconciliation, the power of salvation in Jesus Christ that you've been set free? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning, Jesus. I thank you, God, that our citizenship into the kingdom, God, is not earned. It's not something that we have to fight for. God, that it's freely given to us. Jesus, that you you made a way, God, for us to enter into your kingdom as citizens, not at the end of our life, but now and today. Jesus, I pray that you enable us to be ambassadors for you here on this earth, that as we walk out of this room, That we don't step out of our kingdom citizenship and step into our citizenship of the world. God, that we walk out of here as citizens of the kingdom and as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God, with purpose and power and with agenda. God, would you give us opportunity to love the foreigners that we surround ourselves with. God, to love those who are different than us. To love people that don't know you. God, to to build relationship, not without agenda, God. The people that are lost. I pray that for our church, for Vessel Jesus, that you make us ambassadors for you, God. That you enable and empower and encourage and give us opportunities to go and do that into the world, that when we think about growth, and we think about our church growing, that it's not in this gym on Sunday morning, but it's for your kingdom. God, I thank you for this morning. I uh, pray that you enable and empower us to do that today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you all for being here this morning. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.